You're listening to episode 44 of the Broken Glass Podcast, staying present and sustaining your career with Sarah Charnas. You're listening to the Broken Glass Podcast, a podcast with a mission to highlight women in the music industry through their stories, from their successes to their trials and tribulations. We'll share tools and resources available to you to make your music dream job come to life or to start that business you've always wanted to own. But most of all, you'll be a part of the Broken Glass community where we support and encourage each other and open the doors to working in music. I'm your host, Christy Jacobson, entrepreneur, music lover, wonderluster, and dreamer. Welcome to the show. Welcome back to the podcast and thank you for tuning in again today. Before we get into this episode with Sarah Charnas, I just wanted to make a few quick notes. Uh, The first is there are a few glitches in the sound toward the end of the episode, and I think that was due to an internet connection or Zoom not cooperating, Um, but don't worry, it doesn't affect the message uh, and the content of the episode. You'll just notice it here or there. And second, I wanted to announce that Broken Glass Media is now offering podcast launch and management services. If you've ever wanted to start a podcast, but you weren't sure where to begin, or if you have one, but you just don't have the time to manage all the details that come with it, then we're here for you. You can check these out on our website at www.brokenglassmediallc.com slash podcast management. Thanks again for tuning in and here's Sarah. Welcome back to the Broken Glass podcast. Today I have a really awesome violinist from New York City, Sarah Charn is with me. So Sarah, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. And thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I'm so excited to talk to you because you have a really cool story. And I can't wait to share this with my my listeners. Um, But let's just kind of dive right in. So tell me a little about yourself and what you're doing right now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So, uh, you know, I'm a violinist from New York City. Um, I'm not sort of a traditional classical violinist. I'm more crossover um, to sort of pop and electronics. So it's a little bit different than what you're maybe used to seeing the violin um, in, in terms of genre. And I am currently living with my parents. It's oh so glamorous right now. Um, (laughs) But I have spent seven weeks. um, I left the New York City area I have a three-year-old, and so it was abundantly clear that staying there was not preferable. Um, So we left, and we came to my parents' house, who, you know, have his house in the suburbs with a backyard and all that good stuff, and we've been here for seven weeks, and it has been a social experiment. So um, that's what I've been doing. I think for everybody, it's been that way, for sure. Absolutely. You know, it's funny because I feel like I talk to people that don't live in the Northeast or California or in big cities, and it's almost as if this isn't going on, which is sort of weird. It's like their lives are actually, I think, a lot less affected than than some of us living in California and the Northeast, and again, just those big cities where it's just life has literally stopped. And you know, I don't know what it's like in other places, but it's it's definitely really insane here. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm in Los Angeles and we've been um, under a a safer at home order since I want to say March 19th. Yeah. So, and I know New York was pretty quick right after that. Um, Oh, yeah. Yeah. Are you in New York suburbs or do you go to New Jersey or? No, I'm um, in Manhattan. So I live a block away. I am in Manhattan, one block away from New York Presbyterian Hospital. So we're really ground zero, ground zero. Yeah, exactly. 
where this is all happening. Yeah. Yeah. It's just insane. And, and, um, you know, it, it's, it's definitely changed our industry for sure. Um, oh, you know. a thousand percent because, you know, we're, I sort of put us in the same category as restaurants and hospitality and that we're, we're large gatherings. We are, mm-hmm. that is our industry in so many ways. Um, and obviously there's, a, you know, there's a little bit more diversity to what we can do. We, we can, we can grow through music, you know, through recorded music and things like that. But unfortunately the way a lot of musicians make their money these days is through live performance. So, you know, you have a few more outlets than you might think, but still a lot of the ways that we make money is through performing. So it's, it's definitely, it's going to be an interesting road. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And that kind of brings me to you, you do a lot of performance. That's really kind of what your career lies on, right? Yes, very much so. And I do release, you know, original music for sure, but that's certainly not how I make most of my money. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and, um, so you, you do a lot in the pop and, and electronic music. What's yes. that like? That, that's pretty cool. I mean, you know, I think a lot of people are very familiar with, um, Lindsay Sterling and then we yes. had, um, a couple weeks ago, we had, uh, Emily V on the podcast and she's a rock violinist. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of new to a lot of people. It's like, oh, you know, like, and I remember, you know, learning about Lindsay, Lindsay Sterling and I saw her perform live and then, you know, talking to Emily a couple weeks ago and then now you, it's just, it's such a, a cool, um, you know, career path. Um, so what's that been like for you in, in that, in that genre? Yeah. So, I mean, I obviously grew up playing classical music. That was my background as is the background for a lot of people that end up crossing over. I think a lot of us ended, you know, started in classical because that's sort of the natural starting path for violin. And then of course you can, the other sort of natural starting path is if you're straight up fiddle, um, that can be how you start. But most, you know, most violinists that I know today have started through, you know, Suzuki method or something to that degree. Um, And then, you know, I really had to, take a look at myself and what I wanted and take a look at what I was really interested in. And I really didn't see the opportunity as a straight up classical musician to grow and do the things that I really wanted to do. And I really loved alternative playing styles. So I thought, you know, wouldn't it be fun to take this in a totally separate direction and do something really different? And, you know, at that time there really was no Lindsay Sterling. There wasn't, you know, she was, you know, probably 13 years old. Um, so it, it really definitely was, uh, you know, it was an evolution. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't an overnight thing. It was something where I just started, you know, playing around with beats, playing around with other styles. I met Mark Wood who built my violin and, you know, I got an electric violin and I, I got to play around with what that sounded like and, and really it was eye opening that this instrument was actually really quite versatile. Yeah, there's a lot like my uh, my younger sister, she played violin um, all throughout, you know, um, middle school and high school and, and, you know, just the different things. She went through Suzuki method as well. Yeah. And even just within that, the different things that she could do is like, that's really cool. And then to kind of hear about, you know, how people are, you know, using what's what is well known as a classical instrument for something totally, you know, totally different and just really unique ways. 
Um, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's really cool. And I, um, I attended the uh, winter NAM show this year. Yes. Um, and I go every year, but this was the first year that I attended. They have breakfast sessions and one of the mornings, every morning they had a performer and the one morning was um, an electronic violinist and I was just blown away. It Do you was remember who it was? Day, really oh curious. my gosh. I'd have to look it up. I can't remember who it was, but it was just, you know, it, it's one thing to kind of watch videos, but then to really mm-hmm. see it in person, it was like, this is really cool. I, yeah. I think it was by far hands, like the hands down the best performance of the morning sessions. So it was, oh, wow. it was okay. really cool just to, to see that and just the unique ways and ways that she used the instrument. So, you know, yeah. I think what you do is, is really cool. And then venturing into the more pop and electronic music um, is pretty, pretty amazing too. Yeah, no, it's definitely been a ton of fun. And I feel like I'm really like glad that I took the path that I took and I'm really glad that it happened the way it happened um, because it really has opened up a lot of opportunities for me that wouldn't have otherwise been there. At least I don't think they would have been. Um, so I'm really like, I feel very fortunate that it did sort of come together in that way. Um, yeah. And you've had some, some pretty cool experiences collaborating with a lot of um, internationally recognized DJs. And I'm just curious, like what, what was that process like, you know, starting out and and what's, what's that creative process like for you? So starting out, it ended up like, I think how, you know, how it first started was there'd be these parties. I came to New York. I was like, kind of, I was young. I was really like partying a lot in the party scene and just started out where, you know, a promoter or like a club promoter would say, Oh my gosh, we've got this DJ book, but will you come and will you, will you play with this DJ? And it was, it was really, you know, it was really a cool experience. And half the time they would be like, wait, you know, when it was first, first starting out, they, you know, the DJs would kind of look at me sideways, like, wait, well, what do you want? You want this violinist <laughs> to play with me? Like, are you kidding me? Like, what is this? And then I would come up and play. They'd be like, oh yeah, actually that's really, that sounds really cool. Like, like, let's keep going with that. And I sort of befriended a lot of DJs that way. Some of whom actually ended up having pretty big careers, like, uh, like the chain smokers, for example. Um, you know, we were doing basement parties together way back in the day. And then of course they, you know, went on to have a pretty large career. So, um, that said, it was sort of this natural progression where I was being thrown into these circumstances where I was getting to play with DJs. And then all of a sudden it became a more widely recognized thing. And so then DJs were more comfortable in general playing with violinists or, you know, just, I would say other solo instruments. And so they were, you know, became a lot more just laid back about it, which was awesome. So I think that's sort of how it got started. And then of course, you know, it blossomed into the recording world where I was, you know, getting a chance to put together records that had DJs featured on them. So that part was really cool as well. So there were kind of two directions, the performance aspect and then the recording aspect. Um, And both of them I felt sort of very fortunate to be able to do um, in that way. But that's sort of how it got started was just kind of being thrown into these situations where it was like, oh, try to make this work. Like they're going to play all these records. What can you do on top of this? Yeah. And that's really cool that you get to you know, I'm sure I put your own spin on, on the music too. Right. And then just, yeah, absolutely. you know, kind of play around with what sounds good and, and, and you you put your own sound onto it really. A hundred percent. And, you know, some of these DJs were super creative. They were playing really interesting remixes a lot. It was also a period where there was a lot of instrumental music coming out where it wasn't so heavy on the vocals. And that was really cool because it would just, in the music, there was so much room 
to improvise mm-hmm. and play. It wasn't so vocal heavy at that time. So that I think was also something that was really um, helpful in that it gave me a lot of space to be able to play just because the music really lent itself well to it. Right. Yeah. And you, you also mentioned that you've done some original music as well. Um, and yes. you did really recently release a new single. Yes. Um, so h- how does that process kind of differ for you um, at your own music, your own original, as opposed to working with? Yeah, no, that's, a really great question. So this particular track I approached really, really differently. I wasn't making this track for a label and I wasn't trying to necessarily sell this track to a like to a Spotify playlist. It was really for me. Um, and so since it was a little bit of a selfish project, I would call it like I had, the process was a little bit different. I went into a producer that I really enjoy working with and I said, this is what I want to do. This is my idea can we build a track for this? And the idea was to take a melody, basically produce a track around it, and then, you know, make a music video. And that was sort of what we wanted to do. And I knew that I wanted to write something to the Vivaldi Four Seasons, and I wanted to use just a a little snippet of the Vivaldi Four Seasons, Mm -hmm. the winter melody, to create a larger track. And that's essentially what we did. And if you want, if your listeners want to view it, the track is called Cryorhythmic, and you can just watch it on YouTube. Um, So that's essentially how the process went, is that we came up with this melody, and then we built a track around the melody. That's, I I love that when you can kind of take, you know, that classical music and then really yeah. put that into to modern and electronic. And um, I love just seeing how, how it's like, I, I, I'm very, I guess, I'm more like a technical, like I do virtual assistants and all that kind of stuff. And I did play, but just to, to see how creative people can, can get with that kind of stuff, like that, that always just blows me away. So I'm, I'm definitely going to check that out and um, share that with my listeners because I just love how people take pieces from other other songs and put them in. Um, yeah, that's no, a really, it's really cool concept too. No, thank you so much. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely being done more and more, but I think it's. Um, I really feel like we. Did, I was really proud of the way this track came out and the way that it was produced, and I thought it really, it it did a good job in sort of taking and borrowing themes from the song from Vivaldi Four Seasons, um, and flipping it into modern times. So I think it's, I, I was really happy with how the track came out. Yeah. And so, you know, you did all that on your own. Did you release it on your own? Like, was this fully independent, fully, fully independent, independent. For you? Yes. It was a fully independent process, which meant that I was in charge of all of the marketing, all of the Spotify playlisting, um, all of the social media. And essentially I just, you know, acted as my own label. I put it out on my own label and that was it. And that's just a little bit of a different route. It's, it was not a track that was going to easily sell to an electronic music label because it did not fit in a clear format that they could sell. Um, and it was even tricky to Spotify playlist it as well, because there were very few Spotify playlists that it would sort of like fit in perfectly. Um, because it wasn't a straight up electronic track. So it was definitely like a tricky sell. And that's why I wanted to do a music video for it was because I felt it was going to actually do a lot better on YouTube than it would on Spotify. And, you know, we were pretty right about that. Like it was definitely, you know, it did okay on Spotify, but it, it did a lot better on YouTube. So just because I think it didn't really fit into a very clear genre. Um, and it, 
with tracks like that, they can be a little bit harder to, to place on Spotify. Right. I think too, you know, especially there's a little bit more visual aspect for people as well. Right. Um, and a lot of people, you know, I think that that's why Instagram is so big right now and why YouTube is, I mean, YouTube's been around for a very long time now, but it's, a lot of people are really gravitating more towards the visual social media. Absolutely. So I think that's the visual experience. They want to see what they're hearing. Um, And I get that. I think that's really cool. And I think that if an artist can take what they're doing and put it in front of you visually, it just enhances the experience to be, um, you know, to be more full and more rich. Right. And I know, you know, even growing up too, I was, you know, the kid who would get home from school and turn on MTV and and watch music videos back when there were music videos. (laughs) And, you know, and, and I loved that, you know, seeing how, you know, the artists could take the music and put it into a visual, right. And the storylines they could put behind it. And absolutely um, back then. And it makes the songs come to life in so many ways. Like I know cry rhythmic, it's like a cool track to listen to, but it's a lot cooler when you see it being danced to, um, in my opinion, which is why I think the YouTube, I mean, I knew I wanted to involve modern dancers. And so I think it's just a much cooler experience to see visually. Um, It just seems like a much more complete picture. So I think, you know, for that reason, that's, that's why I wanted to go the extra mile to create a video that I was really proud of. Yeah. And I think that's a great, um, it's kind of a segue into to what I wanted to to chat about too, is um, it's a great kind of business decision for you. Um, and, and on the podcast and, and on, on the blog, we talk a lot about being a musicpreneur and really thinking in that business standpoint, yes. um, you know, because I think there are a lot of artists who they want to just stick to the creative and they don't really understand the business. But, you know, you've gone through that entire process of writing, recording, producing, and okay, now I've got to think, put the business hat on and now I've got to think, okay, marketing, how can I get this out to people? What's the best, best way to bring my audience in? Where's my target audience? Um, so you've really had to kind of switch, you know, and I, I always say like left brain, right brain, um, yes. you know, to, to really put that entrepreneur mindset and in, in, into place, um, yes. you know, and, and, and um, how, how was that for you? Because I know there are some people who like can really easily switch back and forth. Um, what, what's that process like for you to kind of switch into that business and, and, and why, why do you think that's so important to be that musicpreneur? Well, I think first of all, I, I, I do want to differentiate between, you know, being a marketer and being, and knowing that you need marketing. I think there's sort of two different things there. I think that when it came to marketing this track, I knew that I couldn't do it by myself because I didn't have that skill set. So I think it's equally important to know what you're good at and what you're not good at and being able to hire the person that you know will do a good job with your track. Because I think every track, you know, if it's going out in a sort of, um, you know, semi-professional way does need you know, marketing to some degree. And I think, you know, musicians can either take that on themselves or they can make the decision, the very conscious decision to hire somebody or to hire a team that is specializes in marketing, you know, specifically in the marketing that they want to do. And so for me, I hired a team to do Spotify marketing and to do Spotify playlisting because that's a very specific skill that I don't have is, you know, how am I going to get this track listed on Spotify and how am I going to get this track played on YouTube? Um, so 
that is not a skill set that I necessarily have. However, I knew when to pull the plug and say, all right, it's time to hire somebody. Um, so I think being aware and having a business plan in mind is, I think, the most important thing for a musician is knowing, okay, what are the different things that I need to accomplish here and how am I going to get them done? What can I do by myself and what do I need to put a budget aside for? And that's kind of a conversation that you all need to have. And if you're starting out, you obviously probably don't have a huge budget to do, you know, to pay a marketer and to pay a marketing team. So there, you do have to do a little bit more on your own. As you grow and as your career gets further along, those are conversations that you need to have. And, you know, thinking about, I, you know, I had somebody help manage the track and manage the release. And the first thing we did was we put together a budget. We said, okay, how much money do we want to put into this track and how do we want to allocate it? So I think just having those conversations is being a music entrepreneur. Right. And just having that foresight to be like, you know what, like this, this isn't my skill and I want this done right. You know, that that's so important just to understand. And then I think too, Correct. you know, if you're living in, in the day-to-day and the, the every single little task, that doesn't give you room to, to grow and to, to scale and to, to find new opportunities, right? You're just stuck in, in those little tiny details that, Correct. you know, someone else could help you handle. And I think, you know, what you said too about, um, you know, if you're, you're starting off and you really don't have the budget, um, I, I see a lot of opportunity too, and especially right now for these college seniors who are, you know, in these different, whether they're doing like a marketing program or they're in music industry programs. I know a lot of them have had, you know, internships revoked, right? They've, um, or, you know, they're coming out of, of this, you know, of school and they're like, there's no job market for me right now. And it, that happened, you know, when I had graduated, I graduated mm-hmm. in December, 2007. So yeah, it was too. right before yeah, me you know, too. that, that recession. And, and it was like, you know, I took jobs that I didn't necessarily, that weren't necessarily around my, my degree or what I wanted to do, but mm-hmm. I needed a job. And I think, you know, if you're, you're trying to build, you're an artist, you don't have that much money, maybe kind of leverage those types of things. Say, Hey, look, this is going to give you experience. You know, maybe you have a little bit, you can allocate to somebody, but you know, these, you know, these, these, these students and, you know, graduates, they, they want to build their portfolio right now. Yeah. And I want to be, this is a huge time Mm -hmm. for marketing as well, because social media is where it is at. There is really very few outlets right now other than social media. So I think musicians are turning to social media and therefore, and also may not necessarily have the budgets to hire major marketing firms to do what they need to do. And so you're going to see a lot of independent artists turning towards people like these seniors that are graduating that need just a little push on social media or don't have the time to do all of the direct messaging that they need to do on their Instagram account every single day and, you know, may have an extra few hundred dollars or whatever it is a month, a week, whatever to pay to somebody. So I think that it's going to be about finding those situations because tide is really turning right now. Mm -hmm. And I think that there will be opportunity. Yeah. And, you know, you, you made a good point about, you know, social media and online and, um, you know, especially since we've all been home the last couple of months, um, there's been a lot of, you know, live stream concerts and, and a lot of opportunity for people to reach their audiences that way. Um, 
Is that something that you've, you've taken advantage of? Have you been, you know, done any yeah. of those lives and that? Cause that's, I've actually been involved with two, two different um, concert series with B squared management. And mm-hmm. it's just, it's, I mean, I've been doing the fr- it's a couple Friday nights. So it's like the end of the work week, sit yeah. down and listen to some new music and connect with new artists, um, which is a great opportunity. Absolutely. And it's been, I've been doing it every Saturday. I'm doing another one tonight. I think mine's at 730. Um, I'm doing a Facebook live tonight. I did a Instagram live interview yesterday or was it the day before? I think the day before. Um, So I'm trying to do a lot more Instagram live. I'm trying to stay on social media a lot more because really that's my only way to reach you know, the people that follow me. And it's really the only way to reach my audience is, is through social media right now, since everything else is really at a standstill at the moment. So I think it is a really good way to stay in touch with people. And I think the more present you can be on social media during these sort of uncertain times, the busier you're going to be when this all, you know, sort of comes to an end and things can reopen. So I think it's really important to stay present. It doesn't mean you have to be driving yourself crazy, creating new content. I (laughs) don't think that's what this is about. Um, you know, I was having a conversation with somebody that it's going to be really hard to create professional grade content right now when we can't be six feet from a videographer, you know, it's, it's not, that's not realistic right now, but what is realistic is just staying present and doing the best that you can. And I think that that's going to be what propels a lot of people forward. Yeah. And just, you know, staying present and connecting with your audience. And, um, you know, we see all these, you know, the, the late night, um, TV hosts and, you know, I was actually watching some clips from Ellen, um, yesterday and, and it just kind of adds more of a authenticity to it. Right. You know, we're seeing all these people, even, even SNL, we're seeing them in their homes. Right. And, you know, yeah, like the, the production when we're, you know, in the studios and, and, you know, able to do it as normal, that's great. But I think a lot of people are feeling better about their own situations now because they're seeing these artists at home. They're seeing these actors and, and these hosts and all these people who are in the spotlight really kind of at almost at like the same level as them, right? Like, hey, well, yeah, we're, we're all, all in this together. together. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I think it's so important as, you know, as artists and as, you know, music industry professionals to show our audiences, you know, yeah, you know, this is me at home. I'm here too. I'm with you. And I think that that resonates with a lot of fans, you know, a lot of the audience is like, okay, you know, I feel connected, much more connected to you now than I did, you know, 10 weeks ago. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. And I totally agree. I think that that's been a huge aspect of this. It's just this feeling that we're really all in this together. There is nobody that is um, excluded from this experience. We're all sitting at home. We're all going through the same thing. Mm -hmm. Um, While we all have unique and different circumstances that we're dealing with, um, essentially we're all kind of dealing with the same thing, just in a different way, in a different capacity, but we're all sitting at home. We're all at a standstill and we're all just kind of trying to make the best of this circumstance that is really unprecedented. I mean, this has never happened like this in our lifetimes. I don't think to anybody. So it's really, this is very unusual and it's going to, I'm really curious to see how this sort of unravels and un- and evolves um, once things start to come, you know, together again. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's, it's allowed for a lot of creativity in our industry. Um, 
how, you know, and, and a lot of just thoughts of how, how we can shift, um, how we yeah. can pivot, how we can pivot our businesses and, um, you know, either, you know, be productive or, you know, to just give yourself grace as well. Right. Like, you know, you said, um, yeah, you mentioned like, you know, people may not be creating new content and may not have that kind of energy and that's okay. You know, and it's a hundred percent. That's okay. I mean, it's, yeah, when we first started, I was like, okay, I'm going to do this and this and this, and I'm going to read and I'm going to learn French and I'm going (laughs) to, you know, I had this whole list of things and then it got to, I think, you know, I think the first couple of weeks I was good. (laughs) And then then it was when they extended the order by a month, I was like, that was when it hit. And it was like, I was not productive. And at first I was really hard on myself. So I was like, I had these grand plans to, you know, do all these things. And, you know, I saw that in a lot of people too. Right. And you kind of saw everybody just kind of like shrink down a little bit and like, okay, where am I going to go from here? Um, and, you know, it's okay to have those productive days and the not productive days and just make the best of it. But I'm, I'm looking forward like to seeing how, how this, especially this industry comes out of this, you know, how are we going to make changes? Um, you know, and I think the, the recorded side of it will probably remain very similar, but especially the live, right. See how we kind of come out of it and the different experiences, you know, are we going to do, you know, when I was in grad school, there's a lot of talk about this VR and doing concerts digitally, right? Someone yeah. could sit in their, in their living room and have a VR headset on and be at a concert, you know? And I'm yeah, really I curious mean, think- to see if that grows from there. Possibly. Possibly. Yeah. I think with the right technology, that can certainly take off. I mean, we know people are at home more. We know people are watching Netflix more than they're going to the theaters. We know people are wanting that in-home experience. It's more affordable. Um, There's a lot of things that are going to change. I think, you know, the affordability too is going to be huge because we're going to come out of this in a recession and people aren't going to have the money to spend on these, you know, large scale concerts that they once did. It's just, nobody has that extra, you know, $350, $400 laying around to spend on a concert ticket. It's going to be a really different time. So I think, I think the economy in general is going to play a part in how this resumes. Um, and I'm also just curious to see how, you know, events take shape again. Like what, what is that going to look like? I, I don't have an answer. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but I'm just curious to see how it unfolds. Yeah. Cause I think a lot of people are going to be hesitant to, to join large scale events, right. Where there's mass gatherings of people and, um, you know, especially those of us who are in, in, like you mentioned earlier, in these, you know, cities where they're being impacted the hardest. You yeah, know, I think we, we've got a different perception than people who are in areas where they're not being impacted. Yeah. And I think a lot of these large scale events, you know, especially when you're talking about like, you know, industry events are right. happening like in Coachella or, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. And I think, you know, you don't come out of this experience, at least I don't think, and like run to a music festival. Like, I don't right. think anybody is going to do that. And even if the economy does open, people aren't running into restaurants right now. It's just right. like, yeah. it's, it doesn't feel natural. And I think, you know, until we have this vaccine or a very good treatment, I think life is going to be a little bit abridged and it's just going to be a question of what that looks like and what sustainability we can come up with in terms of how musicians are able to sustain themselves in this sort of abridged world. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's definitely going to shift our, our world. That's for sure. 
Um, and but maybe I think, some really cool creative stuff will come from it. And yeah. that, that is what I'm sort of excited to say. Yeah. And I think as musicians too, having that creative side, we'll, we'll be able to figure things out. And, um, you know, and I think, I think the industry learned enough from iTunes and, and Napster and that to, to know that we need to kind of start flowing with what happens. Right. Absolutely. You know, they were so rigid at first and, and it, it hurt the industry to, to not want to shift like that. And I think now we're really starting to see, we need to, to just keep up with everything and the way it's going. Absolutely. Absolutely. I totally, I couldn't agree more. So I'm, you know, I'm very curious yeah. to see how this unfolds. Yeah. Um, I kind of want to shift gears a little bit. Um, so the, the podcast, we talk a lot about, or, you know, we highlight women and what they're doing in the industry, but we also talk about, um, you know, some of the struggles that we face, as we're growing in our careers and in, in our artistry. Um, and I'm just curious, you know, to know if, if you came across any kind of resistance when you were growing in your career, um, or if, you know, if you didn't, or if it was just more of as an artist in general, um, and how you overcame that kind of resistance. Yeah. So I think, you know, one of the pinnacle moments of my career was actually becoming a mother um, and having to make a total shift as to what it meant to be a working mom. And I'm in an industry that doesn't really lend itself extremely well to parenthood because I don't have a nine to five job where I can get a nine to five caregiver and go to work and come home and have it be very cut and dry. It doesn't really work like that in my industry. I travel a lot and I'm performing very late at night and my son gets up very early in the morning. So it was extremely challenging just trying to balance being a working mom and figuring out how that was essentially like what that was going to look like. Um, so I would say that's been one of my greatest achievements as well as just trying to, you know, end the, I think I've finally, uh, sort of got a handle on it and it took some time. And I think, you know, the greatest thing that helped me out is that he got older and that, that made it a lot easier. <laughs> but I think at the beginning it was very touch and go and it was very hard. And I think there was just incredible pressure, not from necessarily others, but from myself to kind of keep going through these really challenging um, moments. Like, you know, right after maternity leave, feeling like I had to jump right back into it. And I'm sorry, but it's really not easy to travel when you have a three-month-old at home. It really is quite difficult. So I struggled a lot with that. It was really hard. I struggled a lot with exhaustion and being really, really tired. Um, tired to agree to a degree that you really can't know until you're a parent. Um, so it's it was a real challenge, but I think, you know, it was something that I was able to overcome and able to sort of figure out how to balance. But that was, I think, one of the biggest challenges in my career. Yeah, it's, it's definitely, you know, I mean, I'm a, I'm a cat mom. <laughs> I mean, yeah. So, but I, I, I still feel like when I want to travel, it's like, what am I going to do with her? So I can only imagine like you have a child, like how do you, make your career work? How do you travel? You know, and especially I think you, you had mentioned to me, you know, off offline that you, you know, traveled internationally, right? Absolutely. Um, you know, and that's difficult too. I mean, it's one thing to go travel to the next city or to the next state and come back. But when you're doing, you know, worldwide travel, 
that's got to be insanely difficult to have a, a child. And, and, and I'm not sure if, you know, he stayed at home or if he went with you, but either way, it's still, still quite a challenge. Yeah, he would definitely stay at home. We did one trip where he came with me and he was four months old and I said I would never do it again. I was you know, teaching a master class in Maryland and I brought me and he was up the entire night. And then I had to oh, go, no. you know, on like literally no sleep to teach a master class. And it was like this three day master class. Then there ended up being a snowstorm. The whole thing was, you know, it was canceled. We had to get back home from the Baltimore airport. And it just was like one thing after another. It was so challenging that I said, you know what, if I ever do this again, uh, I have to leave him at home. Yeah. That presents its own challenges because right. I needed to find childcare. You know, it was just really super challenging. I have a husband that works full time, can't help me with that kind of stuff. So it was, it was just a really big challenge. And, you know, it, lots of moms have this problem where they think, you know, I have a child at home and I have a job. Like this is not a unique situation. Lots of moms struggle with this and lots of dads struggle with it too. I don't want to make it just about moms. Um, lots of parents struggle with this. Mm -hmm. So it was, you know, it was extremely unique and it was extremely tricky, but I, I think, you know, as I said, just getting, you know, him just getting older helped a ton and, you know, it, I also learned how to balance. And I think what ended up really helping a lot was that knowing I had him at home made me really accept the gigs that I really wanted to do, not felt like I had to do or was obligated to do. So it actually focused me in a way that I think was really awesome and that I was able to just kind of be a little more picky choosy about the kind of things that I was doing. Right. And, you know, I admired that you were, you know, persistent with your career, like, you didn't let it, it stop you from pursuing what you wanted to do. And I think, especially for him, that'll be a great thing for him to see is that, you know, my mom's doing this and, you know, she's, she's still doing what she wants, but she still comes home and, and takes care of me. And, you know, she's doing it for me. Um, so I think that, that's, yeah, <laughs> well, it's really, you know, just there's, there's a lot of people that might just say, okay, this is too hard. I'm just going to stay home or I'm going to go and, you know, just find something that I can do nine to five and, you know, then come home at the end of the day. But for you to just keep going with your career, like, you know, it, it shows your passion as a musician too. Yeah. I mean, I definitely didn't want to give it up. It was something that was just extremely important to me, but you know, I, I also, you know, chose to be a mom and I really want to, yeah. uh, you know, hold that to the highest regard as well. So it's just been yeah. a balance. It's been a balancing yeah. act. So kind of wrapping up here a little bit, um, you know, you've had a, a pretty successful, you know, career and, and you're, you're still growing too. Um, do you have any, any resources or any advice that you would recommend for other women starting in the industry, either as a musician or, or looking to really, you know, release their own music? Yeah, I would say, you know, don't get fixated on the labels. Don't get fixated on one way of doing things. We live in this world where everything is at your fingertips. And I think that that's the coolest thing. You have every, you know, music production app that you can use at home available to you. You have social media available to you. Just use it. Do as much as you can on your own. The more you can do on your own, the better. And I think that's sort of, you know, something wish I had was starting out. There wasn't Instagram when I was starting out. 
YouTube was sort of just coming, but it took a little while. Um, so I think it, you know, the more you can use social media, I think the better, especially as a musician, because it's free. You don't have to pay for it. Um, you don't want to put your money in sort of weird places. Don't, you know, it's just do as much as you can on your own and try to use the resources that are available, available to you and free of charge. And, you know, that's sort of my advice for everybody. And then of course, when you need help, ask for it. I'm not a producer. I don't produce my own tracks. I'm dead. I know to ask for help in that department. Some people are really great producers along with being great musicians and they don't need that extra help in that area. So sort of know where your strengths and weaknesses are. It doesn't mean you can't improve in those areas, but I knew, you know, eh, I don't want to spend, you know, a million hours learning how to be a great producer. I'm still not going to be as good as the guy that I can you know, pay to do a great job for me. So know where your strengths and weaknesses are and know where you want to improve and do as much as you can on your own and know when to ask for help. Yeah, that's great advice. And I think, you know, it's important for women, you know, or anybody in the industry to have kind of like a very basic knowledge of, of it, right? Like, you know, you're going to be hiring a producer, but understand what their job is, right? Like kind of understand just the background of it. Um, and that's going to help you in the long run. Um, when I went to undergrad, I was music industry, you know, music business really, but I took mm-hmm. recording as an elective because mm-hmm. I thought, well, okay, one day I might be working with an artist and I need to go in the studio and I want to understand what they're doing, you know? Yeah. And, and even just that basic knowledge helped me in the podcast. I mean, way back then, nobody, there was nothing, no such thing as a podcast, but I understand, right. you know, the basics of, of recording, you know, really understanding just the, the, the basics of, of it, right? Even if you're not the expert, just understanding how things work. Exactly. And understanding process, I think, is what's most important, too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you have any, any books or any podcasts or, or musicians that inspire you in your career? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I'm speaking probably this week with Mark Wood, who is sort of the one of the premier electric violinists and the builder of my instrument. And I'm going to be speaking with him on Instagram Live this week. So um, he has been a huge inspiration to me just in terms of getting me to, you know, sort of switch over to these other styles of music. Um, so you can check out his page as well, um, you know, at Mark Wood, Mark Wood Music. Um, if you want to see a little bit more about him. And then um, in terms of books, I read just about everything. I wouldn't say there's like a music uh, music industry book that I think is necessarily the best out there. Although, you know, some people who study music, you know, music management, music industry swear by certain things. Um, there's one book that I know everybody reads, everything you need to know about the music business mm-hmm. um, is one. But I mean, I wouldn't say I have like a particularly like, you know, favorite book yeah. about the music industry necessarily. But I, you know, I read a lot. I, um, I keep myself, you know, sort of abreast on what's going on. Some you know, Mark, Mark has been just an extremely, an extremely important mentor to me throughout these, Mm -hmm. throughout these years. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. I read all the time too. So, um, and I think I have two copies, two separate editions of everything you need to know about the music. (laughs) I mean, I've read it. Like it's, it's a great book. It says, you know, I think it's interesting because so much has changed too, since it was written. It's really, it's really interesting. And I think, you know, what's also important to recognize is that the music industry is changing all the time. It's just crazy how much technology has influenced it. So I think just staying, I think what's important 
more than having a certain book that you feel like is your favorite thing to know is just staying current, understanding what is current, reading blogs, understanding what the trends are is, you know, is also really important. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, just, yeah. Reading blogs. Um, I always follow music business worldwide. Um, yeah. Billboard and just yeah. you know, seeing how things are progressing and, and not even just music, but like find tech blogs, find um, marketing blogs, right? Just to kind of see Absolutely. where all that is going so that it's well-rounded. But yeah, no, that's some great advice. Um, yeah. Last question before we go, where can my followers find and connect with you? Yes, you can find me on Instagram at Sarah Pink Violin. You can find me on my website, www.sarahcharnas.com and on Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, I'm at Sarah Charnas. So I really look forward to connecting with your listeners um, and really thank you so much for having me. Oh, you're welcome. It was a pleasure to have you on here. We'll make sure to link to all, all of those on the show notes. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Broken Glass Podcast. If you like the show and want to know more, visit www.brokenglassmediallc.com, subscribe to the podcast, and don't forget to leave a review. Join me each week to hear new stories, learn all about the tools and resources available to you, and get tips for building a career in music. If you're interested in becoming part of a community of supportive women in music, join our secret community on Facebook at the Broken Glass Collective.